Yeah, it's been a long time since I've been sitting in this chair, but it's not why we're playing the music today. Steve Simmons in today on Toronto Today, and I haven't been sitting in this chair, boy, I don't know how long it's been, but it's fun to be here and fun to be talking sports on a Tuesday morning. That music is playing because today is a birthday day. It's a big birthday day in the world of sports, and we'll get to some of the bigger birthdays in a minute, but we're going to start with the music we just heard. It's DeMar DeRozan's 29th birthday. So we thought we had to play a little bit of sad music because poor DeMar is still upset about being traded and about being lied to and about all the things that went on when he was sent to the San Antonio Spurs. DeMar turns 29 today. So a happy birthday to DeMar with the hope that one day you will get over what just happened in Toronto or what recently happened. Here's what we're going to do over the next couple of hours. Roberto Asuna pitched for the first time last night for the Houston Astros. Didn't Wasn't in a save situation. Pitched the eighth inning, wound up with a win. And we're going to talk not so much about what happened last night but what happened in Toronto and whether the Blue Jays handled the Asuna situation properly. We're going to talk about whether you would handle it differently. I'm still divided on this. A part of me says, I believe in second chances, and I believe in giving people that. And a part of me is disgusted by the charges against Asuna. And so I'm sort of divided as to what the Jays should have done what they in fact did do, what Houston did, how everybody did it, whether they got value for him. And we're going to talk about this with Scott Mitchell, who covers the Blue Jays for TSN um, in, in the next while. And we're going to open up the phone lines later in the hour. 416-870-1050. Toll free, 1-855-591-6876. And you can text us at 105050. Um, to talk about your thoughts on Asuna and whether the Jays should have kept him or whether they should have made a better trade or whether they acted too soon. There's many different angles and many different ways of looking at this. And what I keep coming back to more than anything else is he's 23 years old. And And I'm not using that as any kind of excuse for anything. I'm just... Say, at that point in your life, you're still learning about who you are. You're still discovering about, you know, what you're going to be in life. And yes, you know, all of us at different times make mistakes and have made mistakes. And I'm not saying the degree of which would require charges of any kind or assault of any kind against women or any other kind of assault, frankly. But does that, does that, at, at 23, do you look at it differently than you might look at it if he was 30 or if he was 28 or, or if he had, you know, depending on what it was. The other side of this, and I'll go back to Bob Probert's years with the Detroit Tigers. When Bob Probert, sorry, the Detroit Red Wings. When Bob Probert played for the Red Wings, he was forever getting into trouble. And he was forever getting into difficulties. And the team would, say him and three teammates went out and did something at night they weren't supposed to do. And what would happen at the end of the season is they would get rid of the two teammates and they would keep Probert. Why? Because Probert had talent. And Probert had something you couldn't replace. And so they went that way with him. 
I'm not, again, suggesting that the Blue Jays should have done that. I'm just suggesting that in sport, talent sometimes brings with it a second chance. Or in some cases, a third chance, depending on what the circumstance is or what the situation is. But I'd really like to, I'm looking forward to hearing Scott Mitchell's view on the Blue Jays because he's close to that situation and that scene. And I'm actually looking forward to hearing your view as well because I've heard so many different views talking to people on the street the last several days about whether the Jays should have traded him, whether they should have kept him, whether they should have sat him down for the rest of the season, whether they should have looked to trading him in the offseason, whether they would have tried to rehab him. Like there's a lot of different ways you can go here. So we're going we're gonna to hit on that in the first hour. In the second hour of the show, Gord Eads, who's been around the Boston Red Sox forever, and this Red Sox team this year is ridiculous. They're going to win 100 games for the first time in 72 years uh, this season, and maybe, maybe a lot more than 100 if they, if they play just above 500 baseball the rest of the way. We're going to talk to Gordon about the Red Sox, but we're also going to talk about Boston sports. I don't know if you saw the sun today, my column in today's Sun is about um, Boston as a sporting town and how, you know, we live here in Toronto and we get used to our teams and our players and the teams that we love and the teams that we follow. But Boston is a remarkable place in that Ted Williams, greatest hitter probably in baseball history, played for the Red Sox. Bobby Orr, one two, the greatest hockey player of all time. Played for the Boston Bruins. Um, Larry Bird and Bill Russell, among the greatest NBA players ever, played for the Celtics. And you run through the list of all of these people from, I mean, you can even look at Roger Clemens, who, who grew up with the Red Sox. Or you can look at so many of the people who have played in that city you could build statues for. And then you look and you flip it to a similar, similarly sized city. Actually, Toronto, a bigger city than Boston. There's been no what you'd call singular hockey player who has played for the Maple Leafs. One guy, I mean, Dave Keon was the guy voted the top player when they did the top 100 a couple years back. And Dave Keon, marvelous player, was a great player on four Stanley Cup teams, but nobody's sitting back and saying that Dave Keon is Bobby Orr, or Dave Keon is Phil Esposito, or, or Dave Keon's even Raymond Bork. And some cities just get blessed that way, and Boston's one of them. And we're going to talk to Gordon Eads about this Red Sox team and about you know, the blessings of, of being a Boston sports fan, frankly. They've had 10 championships, I believe is the number, since Toronto won the World Series in 93. The Patriots alone, and I haven't even mentioned Tom Brady, who, what, the greatest quarterback of all time in my mind. Um, so here, here they have the greatest quarterback, the greatest hitter, the greatest defenseman and or player, depending on where you put Bobby Orr. You know, that's pretty remarkable for one city to have all of those gifts. Um, After the Boston segment, we're going to talk with Dave Naylor. My pal Dave Naylor is coming on to talk some CFL, but mostly to talk Johnny Manziel, frankly. I don't know if you watched the game Friday night. Um, I watched all of it. I was fascinated by it. I was horrified by some of it as well. Uh, You know, Johnny Manziel clearly was not ready for prime time. But there was little bits I saw, little tiny things I thought, you know what, with a little honing here and a little work there and maybe some better coaching and maybe some better players around him, he might be okay. We're going to talk to Dave Naylor about that um, as well. 
And, that, and after that, we're going to talk tennis. This is tennis week in, in, in Toronto and in Montreal, for that matter. But we're in Toronto, and the men are here this week. And Milos Ronic won last night. And Denis Shapovalov plays tonight. Um, and Daniel Nestor was just honored um, for what's been an absolutely marvelous career and a, and, a, and a guy who's carried the Canadian flag with him and around him for, for who knows how long. I mean, Daniel Nestor's 45 years old, and this is, this is the end for him as a, as a pro athlete and, and what a career he has had. So Mark Masters is going to join us uh, after the, at 12.35 this afternoon. We're going to talk about um, the tennis tournament, about Nestor's career, about where Milos Ronic is at, about where Shapovalov is at going into tonight's um, tonight's match at York U, and just a lot a lot of stuff going on tennis wise. If you've never been, and I, I repeat myself when I say this, although not on radio because I'm not in this chair very often, like every 20 years or so. Um, if you've never been to the Canadian Open, as I call it, or the Rogers Cup or, at York U, take 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 a day and go, take a night and go. And don't just go and sit in the, in the stands and watch tennis at the, at the main court. Go to the back courts. Go to the little places. Walk around the grounds. See all the things there is to see. Uh, it's not the U.S. Open, but it's pretty darn good. And, and it's not that far away from that. And I, I, found, I think a lot of people in the city, for whatever reason, I mean, they draw well every year, but I actually think they draw pretty much the same people every year. And so... A lot of people I, I, I speak to have never been. And I think it's a mistake. I think it's one of those sporting events that you have to go to to really appreciate how great it is. And if you go to it, I think what you'll do is you'll go again and again and again. And I've been, you know, my first time was 1979. And, uh, and I fell in love with it then. And I've been going back pretty much every year since then, sometimes from a working point of view and sometimes just because I like to go. And I like to sit there and... And tennis is a sport that, that TV does not do justice to. Television does not do justice to tennis. You don't get any sense of the speed or the power, especially in the men's game, when you watch it on TV. It kind of slows it down and it makes it look easy. Um, but but I, I'm saying if, you, if I can give one recommendation today, it is if you got a chance this week, go out and see, go out and see the Rogers Cup. It is definitely worth looking at. Now, we started the show talking, playing DeMar DeRozan birthday music, and um, just because we wanted to have a little fun with that. But today's a big birthday day. It is the eighth month and the seventh date, uh, seventh day, and you put together the number eight and seven, and you get 87. It's Sidney Crosby's birthday. Uh, he's 31 today, and he's heading in. If you can believe this, you want to feel old today? Sidney Crosby's 31 He's heading into his 14th NHL season. And there's no sign at all, nothing, to indicate that he's slowing down. He has been an absolutely remarkable, remarkable player. I know when people were putting together, and I did one, I did one of those top 100 lists in the 100th year of the NHL, and I rated the players, unlike the NHL, who just put them in, in, in list, listed them alphabetically, did not list them by, by number, I had Crosby around 10-11, if I recall. If I'm doing the list today, it's only a few years later, I think I have him at five. If you look at the three Stanley Cups he's won, if you look at the numbers he's put up, if you look at the way he plays the game and the level that he plays at, um, 
They only played 12. The Penguins only played 12 playoff games this year. Crosby had 21 points. That's after winning the Conn Smythe two years in a row. That's after you know having his third Stanley Cup. That's and what he he's kind of he's kind of found his way. I'm not going to say to rest during the regular season, but to not go crazy during the regular season. So the last four years he's he's got 84 and 85 and 89 and 89 points in the last four years. None of them are in his near the top. I think he had 120 as his best year. But none of them are like that. But that tells you something about where he is and how he's figured this out. He has 67 playoff points. Playoff points in the last three playoff seasons. Some people don't get that in their entire careers. He has that in the last three seasons. Happy birthday, Sid. And I don't know if, how you think about this, but I don't see any sign of slowing down heading into year 14. Another birthday today, a guy that we don't pay nearly excuse me, enough attention to, and probably should. It's Mike Trout's 27th birthday today. Mike Trout, for by almost anyone's figuring, is the best player in baseball and has been the best player in baseball for the last, say, four years. And he may or may not be the MVP in the American League this year because of the Red Sox and Mookie Betts and things like that going on. But he is, war number-wise, the best player in baseball, and it's his. It's funny to see Crosby and Trout, and to a lesser extent, Demar Derozan, all having birthdays on the same day. And another name you got to be you got to be old to remember this one. You got to be around my age, I think, if you're going to remember this one. It's Alan Page's birthday today. Alan Page um, from the Minis- great Minnesota Vikings teams of the '70s, and I believe maybe in the '80s. Alan Page is 73 today. He was a defensive lineman with the Minnesota Vikings. He's one of the few defensive players in NFL history to actually win an MVP. Um, That doesn't happen often. He he then uh, had a great career post-football, went into law, and has since become a judge. Uh, Happy birthday, Alan Page, at 73. Happy birthday, Sid. Happy birthday, DeMar. And happy birthday, Mike Trout. Let's go back to Roberto Asuna here. Steve Simmons of the Toronto Sun in today on Toronto Today. Uh, making This is my first time here. I've been here as a guest at times before. I've been on a lot of the other shows as a guest. And I think what happened today is, is they get the Rolodex out and they, they look for a host. And when the first guy says no, they go to the second guy. When the second guy says no, they go to the third guy. When they get to about the 18th guy, I think that's when my name comes up. And so if you're wondering what in heck I'm doing here, I'm wondering the same thing myself. I don't know if you saw this on the weekend, but the NHL Network listed its top 20 centers. And in, in doing so, you, know, they, you do those lists because sometimes you want to do them, but I think you do those lists to cause people to discuss what's going on and where things are. Um, it's, you, know, you get into the Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, back and forth, and that's going to happen until you know, one clearly becomes... You know, that number one, although I'm going to keep Crosby there until, until McDavid, you know, team starts winning something, although two years ago they were pretty good. Um, Austin Matthews listed as number four. I thought it was a touch high myself, especially coming off the playoffs, but that's where they put him. Mark Shifley at seven, and considering playoffs, I don't know at this point in time, down the road, I think Austin Matthews ahead of Mark Shifley. Right now, you know, Shifley trumps him based on what happened playoff-wise. 
And Kuznetsov, who was the big star of the Stanley Cup uh, champion, Washington Capitals. Kuznetsov, only 12th on the list of the top 20 centers in the league. I thought that was an interesting choice. One name missing. And it's, it, it seems interesting to me in that it's Sidney Crosby's birthday because they used to be the comparison. There's no Jonathan Taves on the top 20 list on the NHL Network's top 20 centers. And not that long ago, it was Taze, Crosby, Crosby, Taze. Which one do you like better? Who's going to win more? Who's going to win more cups? They each now have three. Um, and I don't think Taves now, with Chicago sort of in decline, will be in that kind of thing. Don't know if you saw this on the weekend. We've been talking about the Stanley Cup coming to Toronto for I don't know how many years, our whole lives, basically. And when's it going to come? Well, it did come, but just not for Toronto Maple Leafs on the weekend. Uh, Tom Wilson of the Washington Capitals had his Stanley Cup party at North Toronto Arena on, uh, on Sunday and invited all kinds of kids and all the North Toronto team showed up. And what a great scene it was, you know, seeing all, those, all the kids in, in North T- Toronto jerseys and, and hanging around Tom Wilson who played at, at North Toronto. So that was nice to see. And yesterday, Devontae Smith-Pelly did the same thing. And you saw people lined up in the rain for the Stanley Cup. Like we said, we're going to talk Roberto Asuna later in the hour and with Scott Mitchell coming up right after the break. The number to call, 416-870-1050. Toll-free, 1-855-591-6876. I'm Steve Simmons, and this is Toronto Today. Steve Simmons in this morning on a really hot and muggy summer day. Like, like every day hasn't been like a really hot and and muggy summer day. It seems like the whole summer has been that way. Not that we're complaining, although it is August. I can't believe it's August already, and I'm already angry that it's August, even though it's Sidney Crosby's birthday, which I'll I'll be okay with that. Um, Roberto Asuna, the whole story around him, what happened, what exactly happened, what will happen legally, what the Blue Jays did, how they did it, it's, it's... it's open to so much discussion and debate. And, I, and as I said in the last segment, I'm not sure what the right answer is. I don't know what the right answer is because I'm all in favor of giving young people second chances in life. I think that's part of you know, how we should live our lives. But not knowing the extent of what happened here and not knowing what the Blue Jays might know or what Major League Baseball might know or what the Houston Astros might know, I don't know exactly how I would have proceeded had it been my circumstance. We're going to open up the phones after this interview. I want to get your view on the Roberto Asuna situation. Did the Jays handle it properly? Should they have done something different? What would you have done if you were Mark Shapiro or Ross Atkins? Numbers to call 416-870-1050. Toll free 1-855-591-6876. Scott Mitchell covers the Blue Jays for TSN, and he joins us now to talk about the Roberto Asuna situation and maybe other Blue Jay matters as well. Good morning, Scott. How's it going, Steve? How are you doing? I'm struggling along trying to figure out how to do radio by myself. Other than that, I'm fine. How are you doing all right? Don't worry. You're, you're a young guy. You'll, you're, you'll be able to figure it out. All right. Let's sit in Mark Shapiro's office right now. You're in the boardroom. You're at the table. You have the Roberto Asuna file sitting in front of you. 
they're saying, okay, Scott, give us your view on how we should proceed. What's, what's your answer? Well, I guess it depends how, how focused we are on, on the public relations aspect or how focused we are on, on the baseball side of things. And, um, you know, when this all came down in May, I think a lot of us in the media kind of sat there and, and you know, kind of wondered aloud if Roberto Osuna had thrown his last pitch for the Blue Jays. And, then, you know, I think the consensus was, was probably um, yes at that point, knowing very little. And, you know, still to this day, we, we know very little about actually what has gone on, what, you know, the, uh, you know, what, what the crown has and what, uh, you know, his lawyer is defending at this point. But uh, I think if, if it was in, you know, I, if I would have had to guess back then, I would have said that he came back, his, his, uh, his value was rebuilt um, well on the mound for the Blue Jays. And, you know, we head into this winter and he was traded in the winter. Um, you know, I was surprised um, for a couple of reasons. First, I was able to, I was surprised they were able to find a taker um, before everything is settled in court. Um, obviously, the Houston Astros were the one team that were able to, to step out there and decide that, you know, this was a, uh, a risk that they wanted to take on. And, and second of all, you know, I, I really thought that the Blue Jays would want to maximize the value. And, and when you look at this trade, um, could they have gotten more a year ago? Could they have gotten more last winter? Sure. Um, all things considered, uh, I thought they, they did pretty well. And, you know, it, it reeks of a deal that's, you know, my problem for your problem. Ken Giles couldn't get along with A.J. Hinch, the manager there. David Paulino has a, has a track record with PEDs and, you know, some, some other things that the organization wasn't happy about. So, um, you know, I'm surprised the way this all went down, but am I surprised that Roberto Asuna isn't a Toronto Blue Jay? No, not at all. So here's what I wondered about. Ross Atkins came out, I thought almost casually, a few weeks ago, and when someone asked what's Roberto Asuna's status when his suspension is up, he said he's our closer. And it struck me at the time that I thought that was a bit flippant on his part, but, but he said it, and when he was asked about it again, he said the same thing. And so what I wonder is, was he being honest in what he was saying at that time? Or did ownership or management above him or someone else decide, you know what, we don't want him here anymore? Well, that's the question. And, you know, I, I know the conversation you're talking about. I was in that scrum that, was, you know, I asked, I asked. Ross, I said, I said, you know, is Roberto Suna going to be back on a mound August 5th for the Toronto Blue Jays? And he said, yeah, why wouldn't he be? Um, and I'm sort of paraphrasing there. But and yeah, I, I believe, you know, that that surprised people. And you can look at it two ways. You know, either the Blue Jays and the front office were in, you know, hold Osuna's value mode and, and saying, you know, if, if we say that we're not putting him back on the mound, that we're through with this guy, um, his value plummets even further. Or it could have been a little bit of crowdsourcing. Um, you know, he puts that out there. Obviously, the uh, you know the the immediate reaction and the feedback is uh, you know right away on Twitter and, and you know the the front office and ownership and you know all the powers that be within that organization can see um, you know how people would react um, you know when it was about probably about a month away at that point. So you know, in in my mind, I think probably the decision had been made and, and that was a little bit of. Uh, you know, a, a hopeful idea, cross your fingers and, and hope to rebuild his value and say to the rest of, you know, baseball, the 29 other teams, hey, we're going to put this guy back on a mound and, you know, we're not giving him away for free. Um, 
Because I, I, I think that, you know, once ownership got the details, once the, the front office looked at this case and, you know, with Major League Baseball and were able to, to glean whatever they were able to glean out of it, um, I think they really looked at it and they said, you know, we're done with this guy. And, um, you know, this isn't just a, an isolated incident either. This is, uh, you know, an organization that looked at, uh, you know, this kid and, you know, this kid with the million-dollar arm and, kind of looked at his life and, you know, his circumstances and his background and, you know, really didn't like where things were headed. And, you know, I, I don't think, you know, people could ever predict we get to this point. Um, but there were signs that, you know, said, uh, you know, Roberto Osuna really needed to step back and, you know, mature a little bit and, uh, you know, get his life together. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the Blue Jays were, uh, you know, could see things going that way. And they knew some things behind the scenes that, you know, maybe they said, hey, we want to move on from this guy, um, you know, whenever possible. Obviously, they did it about two, six months too late to, to really, um, you know, from a baseball sense, gain full value for, you know, what, uh, you know, who a guy who is a, a terrific pitcher and, and, you know, could go on to, you know, be one of the best closers in the game if he can, uh, you know, stay healthy and, and stay on track over the next 10 years or so. But, you know, this was just a lot for this organization and where they are in their rebuild right now. It was definitely time to move on. Talking Roberto Asuna and Blue Jays baseball with Jays reporter Scott Mitchell. Scott, when you, when you look at Asuna a year ago, there were things that we saw and we heard about. There were things that should have been alarming to a baseball team and to a front office. Do you think the Jays gave him too much rope? Or was eventually what happened to him going to happen because of who he was? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's more the latter than the former. I think, you know, giving people rope at this point, I mean, these guys are all, you know, quote-unquote adults. These are guys uh, making millions of dollars a year. These are guys that you know, for essentially five or six months of the off season, go away and, and do their own thing and live their own lives and, you know, live their own lives in, in the place normally where they grew up and around a lot of the people that uh, they grew up with. And, you know, obviously that was something that Roberto did. He went back to Mexico um, in the off season and, and lived his life there. And, you know, by all accounts, didn't live it much differently, um, <clears throat> you know, as a, uh, as a major league baseball player than he did as a, uh, as a teenager growing up. So um, obviously that was uh, something the Blue Jays knew about, something the Blue Jays that, um, you know, a few people have said behind the scenes they were a little bit concerned about. So, you know, I, I don't know that as an organization you can do much. I think maybe you can, you know, have a little bit of a, of a harder hand when things do go wrong. But, you know, I, I don't think they have, uh, you know, that kind of right with, within a guy's life to say, you know, what what you can and what you can't do in the off season. And, you know, I don't know how you can possibly stop this. I mean, you can, you can sit a guy, get down, you can talk to him, you can have your, um, you know, your high performance team, your, your mental, um, your mental side of, of, of the guys you bring in to talk to these guys. You can, you can kind of try to, I guess, head that off at the past, but um, you know, things go where they're going to go and people are going to do what they want to do. And, and people are going to, you know, spend time with, uh, you know, the, the people that uh, were were around them growing up. And I think that's what Roberto did. And, you know, there was real no way for the organization to, to really stop that. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, he needed to, to learn some sort of lesson. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's where we are at this point in, in his life. Here's what strikes me. He's 23. I think we forget that sometimes. He's 23. Most players who are drafted and developed are getting to the majors at around 23. He's in his fourth year. 
he might be of the last 10 to 15 years the most, uh, the highest end player that the Blue Jays have actually developed in house. Like he, he, he is the surest thing they have developed in house for an organization that frankly hasn't developed a whole lot of players in house. And what you've seen here is an absolute broad diversity of opinion. You, you get a, a, a very well-known baseball writer like Jeff Passan eviscerating the Houston Astros for making this deal. And you get you know, a veteran columnist like Rosie DeMano who said Asuna deserved another chance in Toronto and that zero tolerance is a dumb idea. Uh, where do you fit on that scale? Well, I mean, when you look at, uh, when you touch on the fact that, you know, this is a guy who arrived way before most players do. And, you know, that's a, that's a common theme in, in Roberto's life, unfortunately. Um, you know, a, a lot of things have been piled on him at a very young age, um, you know, in, in Mexico, in life as a, as a youngster and, you know, arriving, you know, in the major leagues at, at such a young age and, you know, in such a, a pressure packed position as well. And, Obviously, uh, last year he had his, um, you know, well-publicized bout with anxiety that, that forced him out of the ninth inning in one game in, in Kansas City and, you know, had him on the, on the sidelines for a couple of days to kind of regroup. And, um, you know, when you, when you look at, uh, you know, everything that, that he's gone through in life, I mean, the, I guess the tendency is, is to say that this guy does deserve another chance. But, you know, we're at a, at a point in, uh, in life and society where, you know, these types of things don't go, um, you can't brush these under the carpet anymore, and, and nor should you. And, um, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, an unfortunate timing to, for him and, and for everything, because I, I really just don't think you can give guys like this chances anymore, because, you know, everyone is so acutely aware of, of how, how wrong these things are and how, how um, I guess, behind the scenes they've been for, for most of my life, and, and, and they shouldn't be. And I, I think when you look at the situation, um, it's it all it all goes back to to an organization and an employer's appetite for for this type of thing and and, and for second chances and obviously the Houston Astros um, previously had a zero tolerance policy in place and and you know zero tolerance just isn't uh, you know isn't a thing anymore and when you look at the risk that they took this is all about winning a ring it's all about winning another World Series and it's all about shoring up one of the few weaknesses they had on their roster and when you're sitting in the position of the Blue Jays um, you really can't take a you really can't take time and, and give this guy a second chance because your team is you know not playing well on the field you're a team that you know as a front office you're still trying to to win over this fan base and people just aren't going to stand for watching a losing team with uh, you know a player in in you know this type of trouble standing out there on the mound I mean it's just a really really tough position for a fan to to cheer for and I think ownership realized that and then said you know this is this is not a problem we want let's uh let's you know keep this on somebody else and you know the only time you can take these chances and give guys a second chance is if you're a team like the houston astros if you're a team like the new england patriots who has that winning goodwill built up in order to kind of slide this one past uh, your fan base scotty thanks for this enjoy the red sox series we'll talk to you soon all right, Cy. Take care, man. That's Scott Mitchell, TSN's baseball reporter. We're going to open up the phones when we come back. What would you have done with Roberto Asuna? Second chance or no second chance? Number to call, 416-870-1050. Toll free, 1-855-591-6876. 
This is Toronto Today. The greatest moments in history are now up to you. This is TSN 1050's Sound Wars. It's 11.42 on Toronto Today. Time for a conference championship Sound Wars battle in the Yes Guy, No Guy conference. Not that I know what that is. It's seed number one, Matt Jamison. Friday pre-tapes, you're into this kind of stuff. I'm so excited. I wish I was in my car, like, driving around. All right, so this is a Vegas legend. I caught up with him earlier this afternoon. Mac Jamison. Mac, what's happening? Is this Brian? This is Brian. Did that just cut out? This is a joke, isn't it? I've been, I'm calling you out. I don't know who Screw you're talking you, about. Uh, you were my boy. We were peas and carrots two minutes ago, and you just wall squat great white sharded right in my hip. Mac Jamison? I want to hear the beginning again, because I guarantee if I hear the guy's voice, I'll tell you who it is. All right. Is this Brian? This is this Brian. I quit the show. We love the O-Dog. You have to love the O-Dog. Let's hear seed number two. What did Gretzky say? You miss 99% of the shots you don't take. I think no. it was 100. Actually, 100. it was 100. <laughs> Here's how it works. You go to tsn1050.ca, click on Sound Wars, and vote for your favorite. Mac Jamison, the obvious choice, or 99% of shots. Voting for this sound war closes tomorrow at 8 a.m. Listen to Landsberg in the morning for the Yes Guy, No Guy Conference Champions. And for the start of the Final Four Sound Wars battle on TSN 1050. And I know that's why you've turned into this show today and why I'm sitting here. It's Steve Simmons in on Toronto today. Uh, after they sort of went so far down their list, they had to find somebody to host today, and they got to me. I haven't done this in a very long time, and I haven't taken calls I can't tell you how many years, but we're going to right now. Numbers 416-870-1050. I look forward to this. Toll-free 1-855-591-6876. What would you do if you were the Blue Jays with Roberto Asuna? How would you have handled this? Are you happy with the way they handled it? What would you have done differently? Let's go now to Matt in Etobicoke. Steve, it's an honor. It's a pleasure on my part. Go ahead. So I would, uh, I like the way we handled it. I, I think he needed to go. Um, I mean, I I took very seriously what Jeff Passan said about the details surrounding it and some of the stuff that the police said. Now, I, I respect Passan as a, as a journalist, and to go with something like that is something that you, journalists don't just say on a whim. So I, I trust him on that, and um, there's nothing to trust on the other side. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't want someone like that on my team. And I think people who try and say, oh, innocent until proven guilty. Well, I'm sorry, but I, I don't have the same kind of faith in the criminal justice system as you do. Um, things get thrown out on technicalities all the time. To pretend like innocent and proven guilty is some black and white concept Frankly, it's just, it, there's no logic to it. Um, but yeah, that's that's my opinion, Steve. It was a pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you. I, I've been to court and covered cases where you would say the guy who, who was found not guilty was definitely not innocent. And just by the way the law works, the way technicalities work, the way lawyers work, something works differently. What I wonder about now is, is I'll go back, and I'm going to go back to the 80s for a second here. We all know the name Craig McTavish. 
well-known for his career with the Edmonton Oilers, well-known as a coach, well-known as a, as a general manager, you know, a guy who's been a stand-up guy in the National Hockey League for forever. He spent a year in prison for vehicular homicide. I don't know if people remember that, but he did. He was with the Boston Bruins, and he got in a car accident, and I believe he was drunk, and he, he hit somebody, and that person was killed, and he went to prison for a year, and after he came out, Boston didn't want him anymore, and he went to Edmonton, where he, I believe he's still with the Oilers all these years later. So second chances, I'm not in any way equating domestic violence with vehicular homicide. Two different things, two different crimes. I'm not putting one into I'm just saying second chances sometimes at a certain point in time in your life can turn your life around. I'm not saying that Osuna should have got one here. I'm just interested to hear other people's views because I've seen what Jeff Passan wrote and I don't disagree with it in any way. The passion was there. He absolutely obliterated the Houston Astros for taking on Osuna. And I saw what my friend Rosie DeMano wrote, who, you know, the great columnist from the Toronto Star, who um, basically said she believes in second chances, doesn't believe in zero tolerance, doesn't think it, it, it's helpful in life to have zero tolerance policies on almost anything. But everybody views it differently, and there's a myriad of opinion here. Let's go now to Eddie in Toronto. Hey, how you doing? Good. Go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, I do believe in second chances. And first of all, we're stoning uh, somebody to death. I mean, I haven't seen a Ray Rice video associated with it. And, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody can turn can turn a corner at some point. You know, you have had uh, murders that can uh, come out on top and uh, become a beacon of, uh, you know, they, they go to, to schools where with trouble kids and whatnot, and they talk against uh, gangs and whatever. And this is, this is from ex-gang members. But, I mean, at, at the end of the day, innocent until proven guilty. We're living in a free society and a, a democratic society. If we're going to judge everybody as guilty until proven innocent, then we might as well live in communism. Well, you, and you, you hit on a really interesting point when you said Ray Rice video. Because, in, in my view, and I've heard other people express the same opinion, that when that video of Ray Rice came out, it changed the way sports and journalists in many ways view domestic violence. I mean, we've heard about it for years. We've seen it for years. We've been, you know, we've read all kinds of different reports. But when you physically see the tape, the way you saw that tape, I think it changed a lot of people's minds. And one of the things that happened right after that tape was Slava Voinov with the Los Angeles Kings got charged with domestic violence. And uh, it was right after the Ray Rice case, and the NHL came down hard on him, and the Los Angeles Kings came down hard on him, and he was—he eventually basically left the country on his own to not deal with what was left behind and basically gave up at that point on his NHL career. Now, what people don't remember from that is the Los Angeles Kings were the Stanley Cup champions, having won two in, the, in a three-year period, before Slava Voinov's domestic violence situation. After his domestic violence, it's been four full seasons. After his domestic violence situation, the Los Angeles Kings have not won a playoff round. They've only won one playoff game. So you realize that on the one hand, you have to do what's right for that person and for your team and for your, for your fans and everything else. But I'll, I would bet money in the background, of, in the front office of the L.A. Kings, people are looking and saying that that one incident 
altered the course of that hockey team for several years going forward. And, and so I think that's where the Houston Astros are right now. The Houston Astros won the World Series last year. And by the way, if you didn't know this, I found this out on the, on the weekend. At last year's trade deadline, the Houston Astros made a serious pitch for Roberto Asuna before any of this happened. They made a big pitch. So they were on to Roberto as a pitcher long before he was available. And they made a big offer for him. Apparently, at least according to my sources, they made an offer for a real high-end player uh, to get uh, Osuna, a guy who could have made a, a starter for the Blue Jays. And the Jays at the time had no interest in making the deal. A year later, now with, you know, obviously the domestic violence um, attached to Osuna, and we don't know again from court or how this is going to turn out, but they want to win another World Series. And the team with zero tolerance for its own players showed tolerance for one of the players who wasn't their own. And they went about it that way. And the Astros really looked at winning is all that matters here, or mostly what matters here. And last night, Osuna made his debut with the Houston Astros. And he pitched one inning. He didn't pitch in a closing situation, which is normally the way... Uh, you would see him, but he pitched one inning, he pitched the eighth inning, and it wasn't exactly easy pitching against the San Francisco Giants. He had to face McCutcheon, he had to face Buster Posey. Those have, you know, you're talking about two guys who have been MVP candidates or MVPs in the National League. Um, he had a five-pitch inning. Three batters, five pitches. That's awfully impressive for Roberto Asuna, his first time through in Houston. Whether he's eventually going to close or not, or end up as the, as the eight guy, I mean, these days, everybody's putting together the super bullpens, the, like the Yankees have the, with, with their bullpen. You know, is Britain going to close? Is Aurelis Chapman going to close? Who's going to close? It's the same thing now in Houston. Who will close? Five pitches, and then he comes out of the game, Houston wins, he gets a win. So Roberto Asuna in his debut. And what's interesting, and it will be interesting to watch this on the road as well. At home, last, um, last night, there was n- almost no booing. It was like a smattering of, of boos. It was mixed. Uh, no one could get a sense on how the fans felt about Osuna in Houston. And once he goes on the road, just as like what happened to the, to the Twitter guys who got in trouble from the All-Star game and afterwards, hater from the Brewers, and, and there was another, another fellow who same thing with tweets. Um, the crowds on the road have treated the players differently than the crowds at home have treated them. And in Asuna's case, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when he goes to other cities to see how he is responded to. Again, he's been charged, but they haven't gone to court and it sounds like, based on what his lawyer says, that they're going to try and work out a deal where they never do go to court and there'll be a peace bond situation involved. Uh, we're going to be monitoring this Osuna situation probably right through the playoffs because you know Houston is, is right there in a very strong top end of the American League with the Red Sox and with the Yankees and with the Indians. We're going to be seeing this come playoff time you know, where does he fit in and how does he fit in and how do people respond to it? And at the same time, how do the players the Jays have traded for respond to it as well? 
We're going to wrap up the hour. Come back. We're going to talk about the Boston Red Sox and the city of Boston as a sports town. I wrote a column today about, uh, about how many great, all-time great athletes have played in the city of Boston. Gordon Eads is a Red Sox historian. He'll join us when we come back on Toronto Today.